I'll try not to be long before you, but I'll just, I'm going to listen to the Holy Ghost and see what he has me to say. And then when he says shut up, I'll shut up. How about that? <laughs> he won't probably say shut up. <laughs> you know what I mean. First, what's that? <laughs> First John chapter three, verses one and two. First John chapter three, verses one and two. Amen. When you're there, say amen. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. What a great love he's bestowed. He loved us enough to to die for us. That we should be called the sons of God. That word sons there is like the word children. I know we're not all males, but that's a spiritual word. We're all sons of God because there's no gender in heaven, right? And so we're all his royal sons. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. didn't have a relationship. Well, I know so-and-so. That's not what it means. It means a relationship. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We've got some stuff coming, right? Man, it does not. We have no idea what it's going to be like. We We read about it, but when we get before his presence, we sing songs about, about all these things that were, you know, when I get in there, when I get in the presence of God, I'm going to have all these questions and we have no idea. That's what the scripture saying to me. But we know that when we shall, when he shall appear, we know he's going to appear. He said he was coming back and God never lets us down. He always keeps his word, doesn't he? Everybody say this next part with me. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. Father, we love you today. We praise you today. We thank you today for your good word, Jesus, for your logos, for your rhema, Lord Jesus. We thank you for coming into this place already and ministering to us, Lord, in song. And and as you ministered to those that came up here and prayed, Lord, we pray that you continue to minister in this place, Father. Let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every cattle, and over every all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, created he him. Male and female, created he them. Amen. Revelations 13 and 8 speaks of the one who is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Who is that? I'm trying to lay a little bit of a foundation here, and then we're going to get into this. But we're going to talk about, we read that, being like him. How many wants to be like him? Really be like him? Well, we'll find out. So John 1, chapter 1 through 3, and, and, or excuse me, John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 and verse 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word, the plan, the Logos was with God, and the Word was God. It was His plan, His purpose. 
The same was in the beginning with God. So before any of us ever existed, before Adam and Eve were ever placed on this earth, in the beginning was the Logos. The forever settled word was there before any of us ever existed, before it was ever written on the pages of a book. The Logos was there, and so was the Rhema. Right? All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the word was made flesh. We already established who who that one, that lamb slain from the foundation of the world was. It was Jesus. And this is who this is talking about. The the God let me go back. Okay. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word, the logos, the plan was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. Isn't that awesome? He was put here on this earth. He was he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was a, he was around before we ever even were thought of. You know, the Bible says that before we were formed in the womb, he knew us. But even before that, because a God who is not only infinite, because that doesn't even begin to describe God, a God who, whose name is I am, self-existent one, already had a plan in place. Jesus was already born in God's mind and died and, and, and went through all, because he knows the end from the beginning. All of that was already done in God's mind. And so he was just, he's allowing us to see his plan unfold, but he already knows the end from the beginning. Right? He already knows what we're supposed to be doing. Right? We have a destiny. We're supposed to be doing something in the kingdom, aren't we? Right? We're not just supposed to be a knot on a log, are we? I'm getting ahead of myself. The dictionary says that the word like means similar to, the same as, identical, having the same characteristics or quality as. Like. Right? The Greek word in that scripture that we read means this. Resembling, i.e. pertaining to beginning of pertaining to beginning of a same or similar nature or quality or being of a similar nature or quality. It's pretty much the same definition. And so the when the Bible says that we shall be like him, what does it say? It's true that in the last days when the trumpet sounds that the saints of God are we're going to be taken from this earth, praise God, and, and we're going to be spending eternity with Jesus Christ. Is that true? We were talking about that already this morning, and that we will be like him. How will we be like him? We will all have glorified bodies, will we not? Just as he does, and we'll be sitting in heavenly places just like he's been doing. And he, and we will be like him in the fact that he was a human who was, the Bible says, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He suffered. He hungered. He was tired. He went through all these things that we went through, that we go through daily. And he is known as the 
one and the only sinless human being that ever lived on the face of the earth. And so why, why not strive to be like him? If he came to this earth and proved that, that, that that's possible only through him, the only sinless human being, at least it's something for us to strive for, right? Because what is the purpose of getting saved? What's the purpose of becoming a part of this body if we're not desiring and wanting to be like him? Because I'm going to tell you, it was somebody that was like him that influenced me to begin to consider, hmm, there's something to this. There's something more to this than I thought. This is not a cult. There's a, there's just something about this that I gotta, I gotta check it out. I gotta study it out for myself. Anybody ever felt that way? Amen. I know we aren't, we weren't all raised in church. I wasn't. I, well, I was, but not in truth. But the, God was drawing me. He was putting in me a desire and a hunger to be like Him. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, our weaknesses. Just physical infirmities, but our weaknesses, our frailties. We all have them. But was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. So the Bible talks to us about striving for perfection. Striving for that place. And we're striving every day to get to that place. My desire is to be more and more like Jesus every single day. That was Paul's desire. And truly, Jesus will be the only face of God that we will ever see when we get up there to be like him in glory. Because he was made in the image and the likeness of God, and so were we, weren't we? So... If he was created before the foundation of the world, then that means to me that he was, we were made in his image, in his likeness, because God's plan was already for him to be on this earth in sinful flesh, right? So we were made in the image of the manifestation of God that will, that not all of us will ever only see in Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? We look like our dad. Isn't that awesome? I look at my the one of my nephews is going through the Challenge Academy at Fort Knox, and my other nephew, his brother, was birthday was yesterday, and I got both of their pictures on my phone, and I was looking at both of them, and they both look like my sister. There's no denying it. It just it was just scary almost how much they look like their mother, and that's how we want to be, isn't it? I want people to say, man, that's a demuth right there. That's a G. He, he, I don't know what it is about that guy, but he looks like Jesus to me. Right? You know, like brother, brother Gleason talked about in, in the, in the winter camp videos, if you watched them about the, the guy that, the people that came in and bought their house. And they said, man, there's something in this house. They finally went back to his wife and said, we want to know what it is. There's something in this house. Y'all left something here. And what was their answer? Well, we, we pray. We just, we have a relationship and, 
and and you know, and his wife said something about peace, and the the wife of the lady that bought the guy that bought the house said, "Yeah, that's it, peace." I want people to say that, not so that I can boast. I want them to say, "Man, he's like Jesus," and that's what this world's looking for, isn't it? Somebody that's real, that's really like Jesus, not just goes around wearing his name, right? There's a lot of people that do that. But I want it to be so that people say it. He's like, you know. In the Bible, there's several places where, in the New Testament, where the disciples are being persecuted, and they and somebody made this statement and said, you can tell they've been with Jesus. Right? Don't you want that to be said of you? I want to be like Jesus. But the question is not whether we will be like him then. Right? The Bible already says we're going to be like him. So we're settled with that. So we're not going to focus on that right now. What we are striving for and and the hope that we're striving for and the question that we have to ask ourselves, will we be and are we being like him right now on this earth? you got to ask yourself that question. No matter where you are in your walk with God, you got to ask yourself, am I being like Jesus? As he walked on this earth. Are we daily allowing ourselves to be molded into his image and into his likeness? It's not a one-time event. Is it? Jeremiah 18.4 says, And the vessel that he hath made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Romans 9.21 says, Has not the potter power or ruling authority over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Psalms 103, 100 verse 3 says, Know ye not, know ye that the Lord, he is God? It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, sheep of his pasture. It's not about us. He's the potter. We're the clay. Does the clay say to the potter, I don't like the way you're making me. Can you try again? The the clay doesn't say that. There's a point behind that scripture in the Bible. I don't know where it is, but I know it says that. It's in the Old Testament, okay? There you go. I narrowed it down. But... The potter, the clay doesn't say to the potter, you're doing this wrong, does it? When, when, when brother Terry is forming a piece of plain wood into a, into a nice piece of door frame or something, the wood doesn't talk back and say, hey, 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 pull, pull that thing back. Don't you want to do it this way? It doesn't do that, does it? And we laugh about that, but that's what we are to God. We're his vessel. We're just an old clay pot sitting on the wheel. And if God chooses to to mess with us, we, that's what we call it when things don't go our way, right? When God chooses to allow things in our life that's a part of the molding and the making and the forming and the shaping process, we don't like it. And aren't we tempted to say, but, but God, don't you know that if this happens, then this will happen, and then, and I can't, and and then, right? <laughs> Wait, this isn't fun, God. 
Why am I having to go through this? We just heard people testifying about stuff like this. But, you know, Apostle Paul even said, I had this thorn in the flesh and I asked three times for God to remove it. Anybody ever prayed to God more than once for him to please take this away? Only one honest person in the building raised their hand. The rest of you are figuratively raising your hands, right? Why do I have to go through this, God? Why do I have to do what you say? Does that sound like a little kid? I mean, we, we, we don't do this, but we might as well, right? Stomp our feet and kick and throw a fit and spit and everything else and lay on the floor and, and all that. That's what a little kid does, right? But the parent, the parent, you know, we, we're getting asked questions about that. You know, it's, oh, I don't even want to go there, right? With the daughter-in-law and everything, but it's like, just sometimes you just have to just be creative. And sometimes God's creative with us, isn't he? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to, you know, what did he tell Paul? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I'm trying to make you like me, Paul. Why are you fighting back? Is that what happened to Paul? Right? He was resisting God dealing with him. And so God finally got him on a road by, well, he was some guys with him, but he finally knocked him down and got his attention. Paul, I'm trying to make you to be like me. And I don't know about you, but I don't want God to have to get me to the place where he's got to do that. Why fight against it? What is it in us that wants to fight against that? Our flesh, right? Because we don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, God. Right? The Lord spent three years teaching these 12 men that he chose. And, you know, Jesus' ministry was on the road. He was constantly walking. Man, if he'd have had one of these things that, that counts your steps, man, he probably did 20, 30,000 steps a day, right? That was his ministry. He went from town to town, city to city, synagogue to synagogue, and all along the way, people would stop him, blind people and deaf people, and, and those disciples that he was trying to teach about what ministry was, they kept saying, yes, be quiet, shut up. Leave him alone. Don't you know the master's got other important stuff to do? And what would Jesus say? He would stop. Tell that blind man to come over here. And he'd ask him, what do you want? That was his ministry. That's the Jesus that we're supposed to be like. And so he spent all those years tra training those 12 guys for what reason? Because he knew he was leaving. He talked about it through his whole three years of ministry. He tried to tell them that what was coming. And Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what he was going to have to deal with. Why do you think he went and prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me? Even in his flesh, he was just like us. He didn't want to have to go through that pain and that suffering, the physical pain. But he knew he had to. Because it was for us. Because it was for those 12 guys. Because he was going to leave them. Right? To be the church. Thank God he did that. 
Did they get it all before he went to the cross? Nope. Did they have it all down pat, Sister Bell? Nope. But he left them with enough. That on that day of Pentecost, Peter received a rhema from and God spoke to him what to say. He had no prepared speech. He had no nothing on paper, nothing on his iPad. He just stood up and started preaching. And just stuff spilled out of his mouth. What did what did he say? Don't worry about what you're going to say when you get before the judges and stuff. Just I'll give you what to say. He he still does that. And Paul said this in the book of Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, if anybody knew anything about being a living sacrifice and following Jesus, it was Paul, wasn't it? Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In the Amplified, that same two verses of Scripture says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Wow. That's more close to the original Greek. That's what the Amplified Bible is. It says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. I think that same lady that sung that other song you talked about in leadership sung this one. I got a new attitude, right? We, we, we did. We did. We got a new attitude, didn't we? we? We got a new way of thinking. When we come out of that water in Jesus' name and we receive the Holy Ghost, something in us changed. We started looking at things so different than we used to before that. It was just amazing to us. It was like, how did I not see that before? Anybody remember that happening? It, it's still happening. So that you may prove for yourselves what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. I like that last part. In his sight for you. I want to be well-pleasing to the Lord. I want to be whatever it is he's called me to be. I want to find that place. I want to find that. I want to know what my destiny is. I want to know, God. What am I supposed to be doing and how am I supposed to be doing it? And if I'm not doing it the way you want me to do it, help me to find that place. If you're not striving for that every day, you need to be. It's not up to us to just follow our own path, is it? And who know, who better to know this and write about this than Paul? Because I'm going to tell you something. When Paul, when he got up off the ground and had to be walked to a building somewhere because he was blind and had to, and fasted for three days until Ananias got there and baptized him, something happened. Something happened to Paul. Something happened to Paul. 
Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 4, 15 and 16, For though I have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have I not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Was Paul starting his own religion? No, he wasn't. In 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, it says, Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So Paul was striving to be like Jesus. Now, he never really followed Jesus in his natural earthly ministry, did he? So how did he know how to be like Jesus? How was Where was he getting his information? Well, he was a Pharisee. He was a young man. And so he knew about Jesus. And so as he got into this, this ministry that God gave him, these other men started teaching him and started showing him what the word, what Jesus said and what he, what the commands were, what he told him to do. And so Paul's life from that moment on was striving to be like Jesus. And he was. He was doing his best to be like Jesus every single day of his life because what was Paul's ministry? What did it consist of? He went, he did exactly what Jesus did. He didn't stand still. He went from synagogue to synagogue. Now see, he, see, God saved somebody that had an inside track with all the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees, right? He was one of them. So he had kind of an inside door. He could just walk right in because he was one of them. Matter of fact, he was a Roman citizen, right? So he, God gave, God saved a guy that had all kinds of indoors to places, right? Influence, that's right. Somebody said it, right? And so God's doing that with us. <laughs> he doesn't just give us jobs and places just so we can make money. I mean, that's one of the benefits. He wants to bless us, but he plants us in places for a reason. Because we have the ability to exercise influence in those places to be like Jesus. Paul didn't, he didn't sit still except for when they put him in prison. It's the only time he ever wrote was when, when he was in prison. You ever never hear about Paul writing while he's on, out doing ministry, right? He didn't have time. Why? Because he was busy going from city to city, from house to house, and, you know, I got to go here and I got to go through, you know, and, and Paul was doing that. He was trying to do exactly what Jesus did. The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good to everybody he could run into. He didn't care if you were a Pharisee. He didn't care. He saved some Pharisees, some scribes. They all came to him. Nicodemus came to him. Who was the guy that buried him? A Pharisee. Right? Joseph of Arimathea. Right? So he, he didn't care. He was no respecter of persons. If a leper walked up to him, he'd stop and take. If, if they brought him a woman caught in the act of adultery, he never said she wasn't guilty of it. Matter of fact, he kind of acknowledged that she was, didn't he? What did he say to her at the end of that whole thing? Go and sin no more. He had mercy on everybody that came to him, no matter what their, where, where they were in their life. Whether they were up here or down here. And he did things as a rabbi 
that just drove those religious people nuts because you're not supposed to touch anything that's unclean. And he'd go touch the leper. He'd go touch the prostitute. And he'd go, he'd just let that one come in and, and pour all that oil on his feet and, and his head. And, and then, and they all got upset because he, what a waste of money. And that's what you do. That's what you say when you're looking at things in the natural, isn't it? That's not being like Jesus. Gee, what did he turn around and say? Uh, this is going to be for a memorial for this woman that she did this. She did this for my burial. When's the last time we took our most expensive whatever, perfume or whatever, and poured it out on the ground for Jesus? That's what Jesus would do. That's what Paul was striving to be. Amen? If you ever had the chance to meet Paul and ask him about his great ministry, he would he would stop you and say, Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it was his ministry for... He would say, speaking to Jesus, speaking to Jesus, he'd say, this was his ministry, first of all. And I'm just a servant. I'm just a slave. I'm, I'm, I'm the worst. There were several places Paul said that I'm the chief sinner. I'm nobody. I'm nobody special. I'm just a vessel, an old clay pot that he's still working on. And if you don't believe that, you need to read Romans 6 and 7 and 8 right in there. He talks about the battle between the flesh and the spirit. Right? We battle that. Right? But we have the Holy Ghost. Thank goodness. Right? I, I, honestly, I can't tell you a time in the last, I can't remember how long that I've ever even thought about going back out there in the world. Because God has just done a solid work in me like that. It's done. Right? I, I, I got to keep praying. I got to keep fasting. I gotta keep striving for perfection. I can't let up. Because you know what? I gotta be like Jesus. There's a world out there that needs me. You know, I walk in, up and down those hallways where I work and I sing that one song that we just sang this morning. Waymaker. And I look at all these guys in wheelchairs and all these people going through all this physical problems and I think about, man, what if God just started healing people in this place like that? Boom, 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 boom. It would blow some people's minds right here in Toma, Wisconsin. Right? And I think about that. Lord, if you would just be merciful enough to use me for that, I'd be so thankful if you would. But i got to be there. I can't do it from here. I can't do it from my house. i got to be there. Jesus had to be there where they were. He went where they were. Did he not? He went to their house. He went to the publican's house. He went to the leper's house. He went to, to Zacchaeus's house. He went to their house and he, he put up with the ridicule and the persecution and all the things that they said about him. <laughs> and he put up with that. And he went to the cross for us. Having, having, you know, he never did anybody wrong ever. Did he? So he didn't deserve all of that. So if we're going to be like Jesus, are we going to have to suffer some things? He, I got news for you. He said we would. Right? Did he not? He said we'd suffer persecution for his namesake. So just be ready for it. You know it's coming if you're out there doing, if you're out there doing the will of God. It's coming. 
Jesus, and it was already spoken of this morning in Luke 4 and 18, says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Want to go find out what how to be like Jesus? Read that right there. That's what he was telling them. He wasn't out of his own mouth. He was reading it right out of Scripture that all these religious guys should have known. This is the, this is the ministry of Jesus. He was anointed to do what? Preach or proclaim the gospel to the poor. He, who's he? The Father. His Father. He always talked about his Father, didn't he? I'm not doing this. The Father's sending me to do it. I'm not saying this. It's the Father telling me to say it. Right? He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's what we need to be doing. That's what Paul was doing. To preach deliverance to the captives. That's what we need to be doing. To be like him, right? To re- the recovering of sight to the blind. Wow. There's a lot of blind people out there. There's a lot of spiritually blind people. <laughs> and they're not all going to come to the door of this church just on a whim. we got to go out there where they are. Amen? That's what Jesus did. I'm just saying, to set at liberty them that are bruised. A lot of bruised people out there. A lot of hurting people out there. For whatever reason, there's a lot of people that are hurting. They don't know where to go. They don't know which way to turn. They're... You know, they're in prison, they're in jail, they're in, they're, they're addicted to alcohol and drugs or whatever. They don't know where to go. And we need to be there for them. Yeah, they're going to be nasty and dirty and smelly and all those other things. Right? I mean, Jesus even loves a pedophile. Right? Doesn't he? He's no respect to a person. He doesn't care. He'll save you from out of whatever you're in bondage to, won't he? And so we're, if we're going to be like him, then he's going to, if, we're, if we truly want to be like him, he's going to take us into areas like that where he's going to use us just like he used Paul. Because we have the ability, we already talked about this morning about influence, we have the ability to influence those around us by being, everybody say it, like him. Here you go. Praise God. 1 Corinthians 9.19 says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all, this is Paul speaking, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew. Here we go. Here's some more. That I might gain the Jews, and to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law, to them that are without the law as without the law. Being not without the law of God, but under the law of Christ. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna go out there among the lawless. I'm not just gonna, I'm not gonna become lawless for them. But I, I gotta go out there among them. Right? To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means Save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. You think he was made? He said there, I am made all things to all men. Do you think that was just Paul doing that? I'm just, I've just decided I'm just going to do this. No. This is the same Paul that continually said, I'm just a servant. I'm just a slave. I, I just do whatever he tells me to do. 
So God was making him in, in his own image and in his own likeness through all of these things that he suffered. And I'm not going to go into that scripture, but he, he talked about suffering shipwreck and all the things that he went through and the beatings and the stonings and all those things. And it's already been brought out this morning, but none of those things moved me. Moved him from what? From being like him. Philippians 2, 1 through 7 says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord and one mind, letting nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, and let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not under every man under his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Don't don't be so concerned about yourself. I think we talked about that this morning. Right? Hallelujah. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being th- being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Let this mind be in you. It means that let let's have let's have an attitude that. That, that same attitude he had. It's, it's a lot harder than it sounds, isn't it? Because it's not going to be in our comfort zone. I, I promise you. I promise you. You look at the life of Jesus. He, he had no... What did he tell one of the disciples? I don't have anywhere to lay my head. You say, you still want to follow me? <laughs> you still want to be like me? I, I, don't have my, I don't have my own house. I don't have my own... Anything. All I got is a pair of sandals and this, these clothes I got on. You still want to follow me? Because what if he asked you to do that? Right? Philippians uh, 2, 6 through 8 <clears throat> in the Amplified says, who, al- who although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness and the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was the thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so that as to, so as to assume the guise of a servant, slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. <clears throat> Didn't Jesus say that in several places in in the Gospels, didn't he say, take up your cross and follow me? Did he say that? So when Jesus took up his cross, he didn't make his own cross, did he? Did he? He didn't nail himself to his own cross. He can't do that. Try it. Don't try it. But think about that. You can't nail yourself to your own cross. Somebody else has to do it. Somebody else provided the cross for him to be nailed to. He tried to get out of it. We already talked about that. And so when he says, take up your cross daily, 
who's given, who's, where's the cross coming from that we have to bear? Is that from us? No. Who, who, who designs our cross for us? Think about it. The one who's trying to mold us and make us in his image and in his likeness. Right? He knows what, what is needful in, in our life. He knows what he needs to get you to put down and lay down and, and forsake and all those things that need to happen for you to be like him. Amen? Let's all stand this morning. Are we not the body of Christ? And he didn't, you know, the, the Bible says, Jesus said that he said he would build his church. And is he not doing that when he's working on our life, when he's molding us and making us after his image and after his likeness, when he's allowing pain and suffering and things in our life to cause us to turn to him so that we'll be more like him? Isn't that what's really going on? He's making us to be, he's working on the body. We go to the gym and we work out our body so that it'll be stronger, right? Well, can't Jesus be in the head, work out the body? He's working, he's working the Bible says all things together for our good. But even more than that, he's doing it for his purpose, his goal. You know, there's a place in the Bible that says, uh, in the book of, of Luke chapter 10, he talks about, he said he sent out the 70 two by two unto every city where, where he would go. He was setting an example. He was creating a pattern. Right there, and he and he goes on to say in verse two, and he says the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. And he told he asks us and his disciples to pray this prayer. This is a prayer that we're supposed to be praying. Pray ye, he didn't say me to himself. He said you pray you, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth. Laborers into the harvest. That send forth right there is the same word that's used for casting out devils. So he was saying that pray you that the Lord would would cast out, would push push us out there, get us out there, and that's where we are. That's that's us right there, the laborers, the laborers, to be like him. What was Jesus's whole ministry? was about laboring for the kingdom, for pleasing his Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Are we ready to give an answer to every man, everybody we come across? Are we ready to give an answer to every man for the hope that's in us? Are we striving to be like him so much that nothing else in our life matters? You know, the things that we think matter in life don't really matter. If you're really kingdom-minded, the things that we think are important aren't really that important. You know, and it's kind of like my wife said, you know, if you'll give yourself to the kingdom of God, what did he say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all the things that you think are important, 
All the things you think you got to have in life. He'll take care of all that. Don't worry about, he said, what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear or where you're even going to live. He said, even the sparrows don't worry and he gives them a place to stay. And aren't you much more than one of those sparrows? Amen. Father, we love you today. Lord, we praise you today. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this rhema, for this word, for your, for your logos, Father.